What perfect timing for SBJ's Intercollegiate Athletics Forum in Las Vegas this week. Do you think there will be a few things to talk about? I certainly think so. And this is your Morning Buzzcast for Monday, December 4th. Good morning. I made Madcore. Wow. What a wild day of debate on Sunday as the College Football Playoff Committee had a very tough decision. Six worthy teams for four CFP spots. All morning, I was going back and forth with sources about the right matchups. And around 12.30 Eastern Time, ESPN's Reese Davis announced the four. Washington, Texas in the All-State Sugar Bowl, while Michigan, Alabama will play in the Rose Bowl. And both semifinal games, New Year's Day on ESPN. Yes, Florida State was left out. Yes, Georgia was left out. There was a lot of debate all afternoon on Sunday, and there will be a lot of discussion all this week at our conference about the committee's decision. It was their last time to get four teams right. And what did you think? Did they get it right? Of course, next year, we'll see an expanded CFP playoff, but a lot of discussion, a lot of debate, and a lot of controversy around the CFP. I was at the ACC championship game on Saturday night in Charlotte, and it's a good matchup between that event and this city. There were more than 60,000 at Bank of America Stadium. Both schools and fans like the location of Bank of America Stadium being right downtown. So Charlotte is a good fit with the ACC championship. That's also the case for the SEC championship, which will be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, at least through 2031 as part of a new deal as the initial agreement was set to expire in 2026. This new deal also allows the SEC the option of exercising an additional five-year extension that could keep the game in Atlanta through 2036. Atlanta has hosted the SEC championship every year since 1994. Now, you may think this isn't a surprise, but it wasn't a sure thing. There are a number of hot cities in the South, and Nashville, which is opening a new stadium for the Titans in a few years, had inquired about hosting the game. I think Nashville would have been easily a strong pick for the SEC. Dallas also expressed interest in hosting the game in the future, but the game is locked in to Atlanta through 2031 at least. Meanwhile, Saturday's SEC championship marked the end of CBS's coverage, and the network really pulled out all the stops. They brought back Vern Lundquist to narrate the hype video. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it aired prior to the start of the game on Saturday. It was really strong. Following Alabama's win, Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson gave a final goodbye to the SEC on CBS. Gary Danielson credited CBS Sports' Sean McManus for taking college football from a regional product and turning it into a national Saturday afternoon 3.30 game. Going forward, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said that the weekly college football broadcast schedule for the SEC will look very much the same as it does now, even after moving to ABC and ESPN next year. The big change? The mid-afternoon game will not necessarily be the number one SEC game of the week. Sankey said that you'll see more marquee matchups in prime time. 
There'll still be the 330 game, but there'll be more options with ESPN, ABC, and moving marquee games to the primetime slot. So bottom line, a new day and age for the SEC starting next year. Let's shift gears. A big week for baseball, and Major League Baseball is in the spotlight this week as their annual winter meetings are at the Gaylord Opryland Resort in Nashville, and we will have to see how active the trade market and the free agency market is going to be. Of course, all eyes are on Shohei Otani, who of course is the biggest name and will get the biggest deal. Otani is said not to be close to any decision, but most feel he will decide on a team by Christmas. He is represented by CAA Sports, and it's unclear really what Otani is seeking in both location and compensation, but he is expected to get a record-setting deal worth more than five hundred million dollars so this week a big test or an early test of major league baseball's trade and free agency marketplace mls cup set for next saturday the crew will host lafc four o'clock eastern time at lower.com field in columbus the crew bfc cincinnati in the eastern conference final in front of a sellout crowd of more than twenty-five thousand on saturday at tql stadium LAFC beat the Houston Dynamo in front of a crowd of more than 22,000 at BMO Stadium in Los Angeles. LAFC now will look to become just the fourth MLS team to win consecutive titles and the first to do so since the Galaxy in 2012. So MLS's season coming down to the end. A very interesting deal in minor league baseball. We've talked about it before on the Buzzcast. But Diamond Baseball Holdings has continued to build out its portfolio of minor league baseball teams as the company reached an agreement to buy the AAA International League Worcester Red Sox and they become Diamond Baseball Holdings' 27th minor league baseball team. Now, Diamond Baseball Holdings was expected to buy the team. They reportedly made a bid for the club two years ago, offering approximately $50 million dollars. Now, Diamond Baseball already owns two other Red Sox affiliates, as they have Salem and the AA Portland Sea Dogs. Now, founded by Endeavor in December of 2021, Diamond Baseball Holdings is now owned by Silver Lake. Endeavor opted out of their interest in Diamond Baseball Holdings, and Diamond Baseball Holdings already owns over 21% of minor league baseball's 120 teams. And since the beginning of October, they purchased a team in Tulsa, Norfolk, Fresno, Albuquerque, and now Worcester. Their goal is to get to 50 minor league baseball teams and have a national platform of minor league teams. They want to instill efficiencies across the board, and they also want to be able to sell national commercial sponsorship deals across minor league baseball. Now, as far as the Worcester Red Sox, they will remain in that city. They have a 35-year lease to play at Polar Park. That opened just three years ago. Team principal owner Larry Lucchino is expected to stay on as chairman before retiring. A price tag on the team wasn't reported, but a source familiar with the deal told me the franchise would sell for approximately $75 million. Lucchino and his partners bought the team 
for just over $20 million a few years ago. So you're seeing the asset appreciation of minor league baseball, and I've said this before on the Buzzcast, more and more investors are asking me about the valuations and about the growth potential of minor league baseball because they are seen as very smart and sound business investments. And staying with baseball, here is the deal of the week. The Diamondbacks are offering a season ticket plan that allows fans to attend every home game, including two exhibitions, for $299 for the entire season. Yes, the entire season. The tickets are non-transferable, so you'd have to go, but it's hard to find as good a deal as this for about 83 home games. Now, the Diamondbacks last year averaged more than 24,000 fans per game on their way to winning the National League pennant. They feel this team is certainly on the rise and is an exciting team, and it's only going to get better, and they want to get more fans at Chase Field. So here's an unbelievable offer, just over $3 per ticket over the life of the entire season, Diamondbacks season ticket price at $299 for the entire season. And finally, I'll be in Las Vegas this week. I'll sit down with NCAA President Charlie Baker on Wednesday. So if you have any questions for the NCAA President, email them to me. I'd love to ask them of Charlie Baker. Meanwhile, my colleagues will continue to bring you the Buzzcast on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'll be back with you on Friday. So that is your morning Buzzcast for Monday, December 4th. I'm Abe Madcore. Stay healthy, be good to each other, have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Friday.